Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. You are listening to NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction Blog Talk Radio Show, founded to increase the national awareness of black women in the construction industry. NABWIC is the charge and takes the charge for black women to advocate for further opportunities to its members. Our mission as a core foundation is to strengthen the building blocks of new educational, entrepreneurial, professional, and social network connections. The vision of NABWIC is to build long-lasting strategic partnerships with first-rate organizations and individuals that will provide groundbreaking and innovative solutions for black women in construction and their respective communities. We invite you to call or text or email family, business associates, or friends and tell them that we are on the air right now. Or they can join us on the Internet by logging in to www.blogtalkradio.com slash N-A-B-W-I-C or by phone at 714-459-3918 and press 1 to join our conversation with questions or comments. Good morning and welcome to Nap Week Talks. I'm your host, Jada Williams, and it gives me great pleasure to be here with you today. I have to ask, just like the commercial said, to please follow, like, and share on all your different social media platforms that you're hanging out with NABWIC, the National Association of Black Women in Construction, because we are more than just the voice. We are the voice, the voice in construction, and the best way to get in contact with us is to head over to our website at www.navweek.org and engage with us. Yep, check out our calendar. See all the different committees and events that you can volunteer or just drop your head in and check out what's going on in NABWIC world. But most importantly, do not forget to click the Join Now button. It's the quickest, easy way to get in contact, be connected, and join the NABWIC family because we want to see you at our next national, our local event close to you in your red shirt. But we already know you're on your way to our website right now, and we appreciate and thank you. So you already know this morning we have an action-packed show planned for you. But first, in the studio, we have no other than the master builder herself, our flag, she waves around the world, the master builder, Ms. Ann McNeil herself, Jackie Perry of JP and Associates, Ursula Odom of Sula 2, and I think we have our loyal guest in the studio as well, Mr. Gerald Barnes is hanging out with us. Good morning, Ann. How are you? Jada, Jada, Jada. I tell you, every time, if I were any better, Jada, I would be you. And today <laughs> is no different. No different. I know you want to hear about the weekend, but before I go there, let me tell and remind everybody again, because we cannot hear enough, that the vision of the National Association of Black Women in Construction is to continue to build lasting strategic partnerships with first-rate organizations and individuals that just continue to provide groundbreaking and innovative solutions for black women in the construction 
industry and in our respective communities. But Jackie, Jada, Ursula, and Gerald, remember now our mission was founded to increase the national awareness of black women's sick environments and to train the next generation. And that is exactly what we did in New Jersey, discussing our mid-year goals, our mid-year accountability, looking in the past of where we've been, what's working, what's not working, but also looking into the future. And I'm very excited to share that not only did we look in the future, we actually planned years in advance with dates and months and events on them, not just one year, not just two. We went way beyond that. And so I'm very excited as we continue to build line into this industry at all levels We had a number of people who came for our reception. It was very exciting. I want to say thank you again to all of our sponsors, CES, for sponsoring our reception, CES Engineering out of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thank you again, Juan Alfonso, in case you ever listen to this. We also want to thank uh, Mr. Kamar, who sponsored our breakfast. And then we had one of our longtime members, Mr. Quentin Washington out of Washington, D.C., was also a sponsor. But the highlight, if I had to give one naturally, was uh, Ia uh, Carradine. She surprised us, and we had yoga on the Saturday morning before we started our day. Uh, She also sponsored music, but, you know, we've never had a DJ at our reception, and it was just the bomb. Well, no, we we have had that. But anyway, Jackie Data Ursula. Gerald, we could go on and on about all of the wonderful activities that we did, but more importantly, we were planning our future committee by committee, chapter by chapter, and area by area. So we do want to give a shout-out to Northeast Florida, who has chartered their chapter, and we're going to have a ceremony. We'll talk about that, Jackie, offline. But, Jada, as you could see, I could go on and on and on. But I would be remiss not to share and ask everybody to please, I think it's, I'm not sure if it's Les Brown or whoever says, you know, call Lottie Dottie and everybody to make sure you comment, like, and share this podcast because right now we're getting ready to share with you some phenomenal information about residential construction. So, Jada, as always, let's get this party. Definitely so. You can hear the excitement in your voice as you, as you are reviewing last weekend at our national mid-year meeting. And, yes, you can go on and on and on with the highlights, but you can always catch the updates of that um, meeting family on our website or just go to our YouTube channel, and more than likely you can pick up um, some of those tidbits that Ms. Ann is sharing. So today we have a show planned for you. And before we tell you um, all of these golden nuggets, make sure you grab your notebook and pen so you can catch these facts that will be dropped on you today. And I say facts because you know it works. <laughs> so we're going to take a quick commercial break and come back as NABWIC talks tips for residential construction contractors.
My name is Dina Neely. I'm a licensed electrical contractor. I'm founder and CEO of Detroit Voltage. I am a member of the Detroit chapter, and I kind of stumbled upon um, NABWIC or was introduced to NABWIC early on when I first started my company, and it's really been a wonderful journey. Um, I love being able to communicate with like-minded women. I mean, it's one thing to be a woman in construction, but it's a very unique thing to be a black woman in construction. And being a part of this organization has really been helpful in helping to grow and navigate through growing a construction business. And of course, our fearless leader, Ms. Ann, um, she's always a wealth of knowledge and being able to pull from her has been um, invaluable. And so um, one of the things that I'm super duper proud about being a woman in construction is having a part of the revitalization, revitalization of my community and being able to take my children along for the journey. And again, my name is Dina Neely, and I celebrate women in construction. I'm ready. Are you ready? The time is now to amplify your life and create your signature book. And what better time than this weekend to start moving towards your dreams? You will be amazed at how much you can get done in one weekend if you only knew what to do. Your book journey is waiting for you, so take the first step. Purchase the book, then connect with Ursula Odom, your book coach at Sula2 Publishing. Ursula10k.com, E-R-S-U-L-A-1-0-K.com. Yes, indeed. We are back. NABWIC Talks tips for residential construction contractors. And just like our commercials just said, to support a woman is to support a nation because NABWIC, we are the voice in construction. And professionals share tips, techniques, and strategies for strengthening business in the residential contracting arena. So today you're about to listen in and hear Ms. Catherine Hall, who is an executive director, National Association of FHA Consultants, and our very own Ms. Andy Neal, who is the chair and founder of NAPWIC, our beautiful president, Ms. Tylene Henry, Katina McClinton, who is the owner of Fresh Start Development, many years of experience in residential construction out of the Tampa area. Ms. Jolika Dumas is also on this morning that will be giving you tips. She's the owner of Dumas Construction Services, and also Mr. Jason Cole, who's an executive director of Michigan Minority Construction Association, and Ms. Yasmin Whitmore, who is the founder and managing partner of Whitmore Law. So please, like I said before, get your notebooks handy and take down all the tips that you can get this morning. Don't forget to post your comments, some of like and share under our different social media platforms. We always love to connect and hear from you. So let's listen in to NABWI Talks Tips for Residential Construction Contractors. We're getting ready to begin a brief introduction from each of our individual panelists. And that individual panelist is going to give a 
seven-minute conversation. It's going to really share some amazing information with you. So take notes and write your questions down in the chat, and we will keep track of them. Or you can save them till after all of our presenters, all of our panelists have shared, and then we will be letting you ask your questions live. All right, so I'm seeing a lot of smiley faces. I'm seeing a lot of thumbs up. So that means we're ready to continue on. So our first panelist is amazing. For those of you who don't know her, Katina McClinton is um, the, the chair of the Tampa area of the National Association of Black Women in Construction. She is also a NAFAC certified 203K residential construction and the owner of Fresh Start Development. Katina is going to talk to us today about the five things that she has done successfully to scale her business. So, Katina, would you tell everyone a little bit more about yourself and about those secret things that can make things better? Hi, everyone. My name is Katina McClinton. I am the owner of Fresh Start Development, Inc., and I've been in business since 2005, had my license since 2007. I actually started in this industry in 2001, uh, buying and flipping and landlording. And um, I, I, like, I started enjoying what I do. And I thought, okay, let me see about taking this test. So I did take the test. Didn't pass it on the first time. So. Um, but I passed it, and that's, that started my journey of being a general contractor in the state of Florida. And that, um, it was a career change for me because I was always in customer service. And um, once I got inside the the contracting world, I really enjoyed it, and I've been here now since, uh, what, since 18 years now um, in, the, in the business, and I do residential and commercial for private. And I have also, like she said, I also have a, my 203 consultant uh, certification as well, so I'm able to do that as well. But as being a general contractor, doing residential, uh, we're focusing on residential tonight. So residential is where I do commerce. I do, uh, I'm sorry, I do new buildings, additions, and renovations for my residential um, customers. And I've been doing, I love that side of it because it helps me. For the new builds, I do a lot of those, and I like starting fresh. So fresh start starts fresh with every project when they're doing new builds. And then even with the renovations we have, um, it's just a different putting a puzzle together with the renovations as well, uh, as well because you don't know what is going to come out of that wall once you tear it down. So that's a treat for me as well. So I w would like you to understand that this is a diverse industry that we will that you will need to stay recovered to stay um, contacted. And I'm just going to start with my five points. So get your pen and paper ready. So number one, my first point is have clear communication. Uh, know your target audience and be honest with whoever you're dealing with. And when I say know your target audience, we have, uh, for instance, example, if you're going to do a uh, kitchen renovation, um, that's a niche in the industry and you always, you know, know and be honest with the customer of what is going to happen and how much it's going to cost. Make sure you give your correct quotes. Um, you know, things do happen. They are they do want to change order, so that's no issue. But just be honest with the what you're doing for the customer, so they'll have a clear uh, understanding of what's going on when they're getting their renovation. The next thing 
Number two is proper marketing and advertising. Uh, for me, it's been a lot of word of mouth since I've been in the industry. So um, my product speaks for itself and my services speak for themselves. So with that being said, um, I do have social media. I'm not good at it. Not a lot. <laughs> so I do sometimes post videos or post certain things, but my product and services speak for themselves. So I get a lot of repeat clients with uh, with that because I've been in the industry um, for some time now. Um, next is uh, proper project planning. Project planning is when you get a project, and another example of that, if you get a new deal, you want to um, start planning it out, how you're going to move and how long it's going to take with the project. And when you um, plan properly, you execute even better. Basically, you just got to plan it properly, execute it even better, and that's how that will go. Um, networking, that's uh, point number four. Networking, if no one knows you, if you don't have anything out there, especially when you're just starting out, you want to get out there and start networking with people to um, so they can know what you do, know who you are, and learn to like, know, and trust you to, so you can get more business. That's a big thing for me to um, know, who, know who I'm working with so my clients will know who I'm working with as well. And we can move, smooth, move smoothly throughout the process and get it all done for the client. And the team was Point number five is have a good project manager, good subcontractors that will help execute your project, and good office management. So with that, um, it starts in the office uh, with me because I am the owner of my business. And when I get my team together, such as my project manager, and my, um, my subcontractors, once we put all that together and say how we're going to execute the project, then we should have no problems going forward. And if we do, it goes back to communication. Communicate with your client and let them know what's going on. And um, the way you can contact me is www.freshstartdevelops.com. My number is 813-758-5345. If you have any questions for me, I'll be gladly to answer any of them. And that's it for me. Now we want to move over to introducing Jalika Dumez, owner of DC2 Contracting Services, LLC. She is from Detroit Natwick Chapter President. And she's going to talk about how to leverage public money to keep projects funded smoothly. Smoothly. Thank you, Julika. Thank you. Thank you, Katina. Good evening, everyone. Uh, so I just wanted to discuss um, ways that people can work together with their contracting officers to try to leverage uh, projects. But first, I want to talk about um, several factors that kind of contribute to the success of being a residential contractor working under a community development project. And these factors uh, can include, definitely, you have to have strong partnerships and collaborations. So contractors have collaborated uh, in Michigan uh, with nonprofit organizations, financial institutions, community leaders, and uh, 
basically uh, the community development people themselves and just kind of create those relationships um, so you kind of know who's in charge and who's who. Also, we've been privileged to have um, a lot of diverse funding sources. So these contractors, you know, we've been able to tap into a wide range of funding uh, through community, uh, like federal grants, community development, uh, block grants, home funds, et cetera, state programs, and even some um, like contributions, donations. Uh, so I think that that is very important to just try to make sure that your projects, you um you can kind of go in telling that you're a contractor and you're working for these organizations and they can kind of also assist you in getting funding. And sometimes they'll help fund that project just because they are a community grant project uh, or initiative. Um, I think having um, skilled wor workforce is very important. Um, luckily we've, we've now been getting skilled workers um, trained in Michigan, so we've have access to them, which has really been helping helping us out a lot. Um, one thing I will say is, do not train uh, lo uh, residents on your job um, without them going to a skilled trade first. Um, I tried to grab a couple of people that we knew that I felt that you know probably we can we can teach them, we can mold them, we can do these on-site uh, trades, don't do that. That's not good. Let them go to trade school, definitely. <laughs> and also, um, you know, just kind of having a, uh, just being able to navigate the permitting process, because another thing with these uh, home residential programs that slow down the pay is that a lot of uh, these programs, they want you to have a CFA before they pay you. That means the job has to be completely closed out. Inspector uh, came and approved it and said it's okay. And that can be a long process with the amount of work that these inspectors have to inspect now with these all these programs. Uh, we were waiting like almost um, a month or, or to two months for an inspection. And that has an effect on small contractors because uh, we have supplier bills that are due every month. You know, our Home Depot, all of our supplier bills are due. And it kind of, and, and our and our guys, they're steadily sending us new jobs and they want deposits. Our workers, roofers, everyone, they want deposits. And sometimes you, as a small contractor, cannot fund that. So what we've been able to do was to be able to have these, because of the relationships that we have made with these agencies, we were able to uh, ask them to just um, fund 80% of the project uh, just based on us having a building permit. And we're saying that the job is done and getting the sign-off from the homeowner. And by, with them doing, giving us 80%, we still were able to wait for the other 20 uh, percent and you know that two three weeks wait was not hurting us as bad as it was so I would encourage everyone to kind of reach out um, to these programs and ask them you know they're not going to ever give you a deposit but you can say well when we get you know halfway through or a certain amount through can you please just uh, send us some funding or a percentage of it that helps a lot a, a lot and I think that has contributed to the success of being able to to uh, continue moving on on the project. Um, another problem is a lot of contractors don't have a lot of working capital in the beginning. So you, you have to get these relationships with these bankers. Um, we have um, several ones. I've been through all of them. So it's several ones have just been awesome with um, helping people. So I guess it's just about just pushing in and just kind of just being in their face and just, 
you know, sewing into them, you know, helping them out. It doesn't help you to, you know, serve a little time over there and just help them with some outreach meetings and different things to help them going, to uh, help them on their initiatives. Let them know that you strongly support them. And through that relationship, me doing that with them, um, they had also extended an invitation for members of our chapter to be able to attend weatherization classes and get training free on, you know, um, this was way before they even came out with all this weatherization training. This this was like maybe a year and a half ago they were coming out and they said, well, look, we have training that's available. We'll open them up to your members. And they were able to go in and get a lot of training and a lot of inspection training, and it, and it didn't just rain, it was just construction. There was a lot of different things that all of our members of our crews were able to kind of take advantage of through those. So I would encourage everyone to just really just find out who they are and, and just create really strong relationships. And that's all I have. Thank you. Okay, next on to speak is Jason Cole. Jason Cole is the Executive Director of the Michigan Minority Contractors Association. And he is telling he's going to be telling us about connecting with trade associations to grow, to grow your business. Thank you, Jason. You're welcome. So good good evening all. Uh Jason Cole, uh, uh talking to you from Detroit, Michigan, uh actually in the neighborhood called Blackstone. Uh, so what I do uh, here is, uh, first, I'll give you a quick little background on me, uh, my kind of five W's, right? Who am I? Inner city kid. I uh, got kicked out of five DPS schools and ended up at uh, construction vocational school. So I got into construction in 1986. So I think I'm 37 years in at this point. Uh, and so I'm a, I'm a timber wolf. Yeah, how about that? Uh, and then from there, I uh, uh, left uh, high school, literally started uh, working. Uh, and one of the things I did at uh, age 19 was I co-wrote a law uh, that is still on the books uh, to this day down in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, helping uh, black firms get paid uh, promptly by the city of Atlanta. So uh, that's my indelible mark I left on this universe. Um, uh, the other thing I've done is I've floated around this country and seen how uh, business and construction is done, uh, sp- uh, primarily in the uh, building of, and designing and building of airports and wastewater treatment plants, uh, some specialized work, but uh, it was uh, very rewarding for a 20-year period. Uh, and then right about uh, January 1st, 2009, I uh, started a contractor's association uh, and didn't do or, or didn't feel fulfilled enough, so then I started 16 more associations. Uh, that's the value uh, of hanging out with Jason Cole. Uh, you're going to get more than what you asked for. How about that? So um, the the thing that I have learned uh, in helping one, at least one person become a multimillionaire, I'm actually on target to have a couple more uh, before the end of 2024, uh, is uh, have a vision, right, uh, for your business. And, and this is really important because a lot of folks just go into business and don't have a plan, right? And so if you a failure to plan is a plan for failure. Uh, that ain't just something cute to say. That's real. Um, so, uh, and uh, actually, vision, strategy, and execution, uh, my, some of my friends online know uh, that's my third and final book I'm going to write before I leave this earth. So, um, re- really important to plan. Uh, the other part is start with money. Uh, one of the things I do is uh, I walk into banks and don't ask for loans for myself. I ask on behalf of other folks. 
and due to the Patriot Act, I have to be explained why I'm in the room, uh, but because I used to do loans uh, over at the Small Business Administration, uh, specifically 7A and 504, uh, it's, it's a skill set that I have uh, that I use for others, uh, and so that's a big part of what I do on a daily basis. So my uh, trade association, although we're in construction, uh, and again, I got 16 other ones I'm, I'm part of, uh, a big piece uh, that I uh, added uh, to complement my tr my first trade association was a real estate lenders association. Uh, it took me 12 years, but I got it done. And now that uh, element of my business model, uh, my vision uh, is being delivered. Uh, we got a couple of people actually starting to build uh, apartment buildings. Uh, so I went from just construction and putting up walls to now uh, we ordering uh, plans and drawings and, and permits and uh, building new building. So uh, exciting stuff going on here in uh, Detroit. Uh, and I went from just kind of talking it to now I train people uh, how to flip houses, uh, to uh, build apartment buildings, and uh, really create generational wealth. Uh, so I'm one of the few people in my space that talks about trust, because uh, I'm a trust fund adult, but that's not how I started this journey, folks. Um, and then uh, another uh, key piece to my organization, and I would encourage other organizations, especially someone that's uh, on the line thinking about uh, creating a trade association, right, start with education and go advocate. I literally called a young man today and said, I wanted a meeting with the governor. Uh, I'm actually going to endorse the sitting mayor of Detroit to run for governor. I just broke a little news for y'all folks. Uh, and so uh, that's really important because there's two sides to laws. There's the lawmaker, uh, and then there's the actual law. And so I'm now on both sides of that because uh, you have to come up with your own solutions. No one's going to do it for you. you got to come up with your own stuff. Uh, and then the other really critical piece is contracting opportunities. So I spend uh, tons of time in, uh, in meetings and emails and uh, convenings. Uh, I just sat for two years on the statewide housing policy uh, plan here in the city or, or the state of Michigan, actually. Uh, and so they're going to build uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of housing units uh, over the next 10 years. So I'm really uh, excited to go from sitting and listening to now building and not only just building four walls and a roof, but now building wealth for my community. Uh, and so I will pause there. I know we've got some more conversation uh, on the other end of this, but I hit the, the most salient points. Thanks. Uh, and then, oh, we're going to turn it over to Yasmin Whitmer of Whitmer Law, uh, and she is going to uh, teach us how to protect ourselves, right? Or did I just steal your thunder? <laughs> That's absolutely okay. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Um, so my name is Yasmin Whitmer. I'm an attorney practicing in Michigan. And my focus area is representing contractors, subcontractors, so anybody within the construction industry at any level. And a niche to what I do also is representing property restoration companies. So I don't know if anyone here works with insurance companies in the reconstruction aspect of the industry. Um, I come from one of the largest um, companies out there. That's where I gain my experience and how I started and opened my own firm. Um, I've been practicing for over eight years, and I really enjoy doing what I do. And <laughs> it's not a, a, the legal work that I enjoy doing, is talking to you guys and helping you guys and assisting 
your issues and finding a solution or even sometimes it's fun, like growing your business or whatever it is, looking for opportunities, helping drafting your RFPs, um, just using my experience and bouncing ideas off. I'm absolutely open to all of them. I mean, you, anybody can reach me. I will help you if I can. And if you're outside of Michigan, I will refer you to an attorney that I trust. But my focus area within the construction industry, restoration industry is mostly contract reviewing, drafting, negotiating, all of that transactional aspect of your day-to-day -day business. A lot of day-to-day um, -day risk management. So someone calls me like, yes, man, this is happening. What do we do? So instead of the that I had to train, don't send that nasty email because it's going to come out in court. Call me, take a breath. Sometimes I go email and they send it and sometimes they sleep on it. Whatever the issue is, like I help to mitigate the damage with them so that they're not going to get in a bigger trouble later on because, you know, emotions get involved. You guys do a lot of hard work. So I understand when people are attacking. Um, but what I want to talk to is going to be very brief um, as our time is limited, but I'll hit on my five points. And if there's more time, I'll elaborate. But the five things that I think everybody as a contractor should know when starting their own contracting business or you are as you are and have been practicing for how many years are these? Well, it sounds obvious, but to me, nothing has been obvious and you just got to learn. Sometimes the simplest advice is, is worth a million dollars. So make sure you actually have a registered business within the state you're practicing, like an LLC or you're incorporated. It's key. I don't want you guys to be doing business in on or written contract under your individual name. As soon as you step out of your LLC, your incorporated, your business registration name that's there to protect you, you're now exposing your assets, your home, your bank, your car, your stocks, whatever it is to someone else reaching and grabbing from you because you don't have that protection of an LLC or incorporation. Two, and punitive damages, damages are always in the millions of dollars. So the reason you want to carry adequate insurance is so that you're not paying out of pocket if you get sued. Did I freeze? You're back now, though. You oh. did freeze for a second. But oh, sorry. <laughs> so um, insurance, so adequate insurance, make sure that you carry your general liability, and that's there to protect you against third-party claims for bodily injury um, property damage or advertising, then you want to carry your workers' compensation so that if your employees get hurt on the job site, you, you, you can protect your employees and they're not coming after your company for payment. And three, professional liability insurance. And that's for a lot of you guys who are pro providing consulting services or engineering services, anything aside from contracting for construction work, you want to have that professional liability to protect you against errors, omissions, or negligence. So for me as an attorney, it's called malpractice insurance. For you guys or an um, architect, it's called professional liability. Make sure you have that. Make sure for residential contracts, you have a written contract. Two main reasons. Like, for example, in Michigan, you don't have a written contract for residential work. You don't have lien rights. 
So if you want to maintain your lien rights, you got to have it in writing. Two is going to become the biggest he said, she said arguments in court or with the arbitrator, with the, with the attorneys, with whoever it is. Like you, you painted the wall pink. You don't have it in writing. Now they changed their mind as a 10,000 square feet house. You got to redo it or it's not worth the battle. And then you should, what should these contracts say is make sure that your builder's license number is on them. In Michigan, it's renewed every three years. So you got to update it in three years. Your, light, um, your correct customer name is on it. So if your customer is a homeowner, you enter into it with a homeowner. You don't put in anything else. Is the homeowner or whoever is contracting you to do the work is the person you enter into the life, uh, contract with. Make sure that the statutory languages are there. And this is for your protection. So one is lien language. So there's always a little blurb in the lien law within you have to put in as a warning to the homeowner that if they don't pay, you're going to lien them. And two is the primary notice of cancellation, which is the homeowner can cancel the contract within three days of signing or three more. You don't have that, they can cancel the contract at any time. So it's going to, and some states will make you not be liable for pay, uh, payment. Excuse me, my daughter is home, so. Um, and then your scores, make sure it's concise, to the point, and ready to go so there's no ambiguity and no questions. Payment terms, like Julie mentioned, have payment terms. You're not a bank. You're not a lender. Make them pay up front a percentage. Make the homeowner pay a percentage upon completion of stage of the work. However you plan it out, it doesn't matter. Make sure you're receiving payment as you complete the work. Always change orders. Anything changes. You need more time to complete. There is a reduction in the scope and the price, or there is an increase into the price or the scope. A change order is very required. Um, and most importantly, you have the contract with your homeowner. You also need a contract with your subcontractors detailing the exact same thing. So you're pushing down liability to your subcontractor. You want that to be in writing. And lastly, my favorite is your lien rights. Do not give them up. I actually... Um, created an online platform that allows users or contractors to log in and file their own liens, eliminating the need of an attorney, somebody else. Uh-oh, you froze again. Hopefully I'll come back. Let me see if I stop our video, if that may help us. Sometimes the bandwidth. Getting to the juicy part. Oh. Yes, it it was getting juicy. So um, <laughs> hopefully she'll be able to come back and we'll be able to ask some uh, in more in depth questions of Yasmin uh, in the Q and A section. So uh, I definitely we want to we're going to be talking to her about uh, the insurance for the sub. So hopefully she'll be able to come back in a second. Katina, you there? Yes, I think I she. Will. I think she actually. Yes, I, yeah, I think she lost. I think she lost, didn't it? Uh, so are we going to move on or wait till she comes back in? Why don't we move on? We can always pull her back in when she comes back on. She can continue. Okay, we are coming up next with my co-host, uh, Catherine Hall, the executive director of National Association of 
FHA consultant. She is going to talk about how to get into the 203. She's the queen of 203 queen, uh, how to cash in on our residential reservation, res- I'm sorry, renovation housing boom. Thank you, Katina. Hey, guys, I'm back. Hey, thank you so much for being here. Listen, we are 45 minutes into this. Tell me, let me see some show of hands. Let me see some chats. Let me see some smiles. How much How much have you enjoyed this so far? Has this been great? Because, you see, this is all about you. We are here to serve you, and that is one of the things that we have in common. I am the executive director of the National Association of FHA Consultants, and I have been doing this for years and years and years. For 30 years, I've been a, a multi-inspector firm owner in uh, the Delaware Valley, Philadelphia, go Phillies, and um, in that capacity, I actually benefited and utilized a lot of the government's funding that is available through Community Development Corporations and CDBG block grants, Community Development Block Grants. It is an amazing way to fund, to get into the world of residential homeownership. We started out providing home inspection for first-time home buyers who were getting a grant called the Philly 500. It turned out to be more than 500 people, and we got a contract with the City of Philadelphia that was renewed seven years in a row to provide home inspections and provide a report that determined whether or not the properties met or did not meet FHA minimum property standards. When we created that report, we actually were adhering to HUD minimum property standards. So once I realized what those were, I said, you know what, I'm going to find out where else I can use this knowledge about HUD and minimum property standards, and I found out that that is the cornerstone of the 203K program. So for those of you who do not know what it is, a 203K loan is a mortgage, one single mortgage, that incorporates the acquisition of the property plus the rehab into one loan. All the repairs are completed after settlement by a contractor, there's that operative word, that is identified and retained prior to closing. When the renovation loan is initiated, there is a large team that is involved to help make this work. The real estate sales professional who helps the home buyer identify a property. And if the home needs or is in want or the borrower is in desire to do renovations, they need to get a renovation consultant. Yes, I said consultant first. It's most important to sign up and get your renovation consultant ready and identifying for you what those minimum property standards are. Next, once you have the consultant create the scope of work, then the mortgage lender determines whether or not the money is going to be available. So guess what? Show me the money, all right? We need to know what are the costs going to be to complete this rehab. And then with the partnership of the sales professional, the consultant, and the real estate lender, we have a budget. Once we know that budget, once we know the repairs, then the contractors can come in and create their bids. When the contractor enters his bid, we actually have a complete online system available for free to contractors who are partnering with NAFAC member consultants. And this allows them to enter their bids electronically with the click of a button, the consultant and the borrower can review it, accept the contractor's bid, and that money that the contractor has estimated for the work is added to the loan. After closing and underwriting, the the contractor begins work, and the rehab consultant oversees that work and then authorizes payment of the contract as phases are completed. 
No waiting to the end. The entire rehab cost is escrowed. So contractors, you're protected. You don't have to worry about whether or not the funds will be available for you when you're ready to draw down on that account. A couple things though, I need to let contractors know. One, for most 203K rehab projects, there is no upfront money. You have to begin work and then you get rent, you get paid after you complete phases of the construction. But I have good news. There are material advances that are available and we actually have also a partnership with the National Business Capital. It is a fund, a private funding association that specializes in working with contractors. And you can check out and put an on application online for free services of funding, lines of credit, or any kind of business support you need for your construction business by simply going to the NAFAC website. But the point is this, whether or not you do get any upfront money, the funds are there for you. And in addition to that, there's a contingency reserve added to the repair amount to cover unforeseen problems. So let me ask you a question. Raise your hand or type in the chat, amen, if you've always, if there has been a time that you've had to add and go to the borrower or go back to your customer and say, we've got a problem, we have to add more money to the problem. Anybody ever write a change order? Raise your hand or type in the chat if you've had to put change orders in your projects. I just want to see a yes, a heck yeah, or every day, 100%, ain't nothing but the change orders. Let me know what's going on because guess what? That is the reality of a construction project, right? You don't know what you don't know until you find out. And you typically don't find out until after you open up that wall, like Katina talked about. So with the rehab loan, there is a minimum 10 to 20% contingency reserve added to the cost of the scope of work, escrowed in the mortgage to cover that unforeseen problem. So even if something does become a surprise, it's not a surprise to the budget because the money's already there. These are just a few of the advantages of being a contractor working with a renovation project. But one of the other advantages of being a contractor in the world of renovation consulting and construction is the fact that if you have three or more years of referenceable experience in this industry, plumber, electrician, general contractor, home inspector, engineer, architect, if it's got three years and you can prove it, you are already qualified to be a rehab consultant. We need consultants all across the country. There is a huge lack of qualified contractors and qualified consultants. And so that's what we are doing. So with renovation construction, you actually can be the contractor on one project or the consultant on another. You can choose which project and how you want to make your money. With the project as a consultant, you get paid both before closing for the scope of work and detailed work write-up, and after closing, you get paid for the phase construction draw inspection. The government, FHA, allows a contractor, a consultant, to charge up to $350 plus mileage for every draw you do after closing, up to a maximum of five draws over a six-month period. You also get paid extra as a consultant when you have to process that change order, okay? So guess what? What is the best way to create wealth is with recurring revenue. When you have one customer paying you over and over and over again, and that is the power of renovation consulting. So I want you all to consider, how are you working your business right now? Do you have one thing that your business is standing on? Is your business table standing on one leg? If it is, 
Let's add another leg to that table. Let's give some more strength to your business. Let's have you include renovation consulting because guess what? Home buyers need it. Homeowners use it. Investors use it. And you can provide the service to nonprofit housing counseling authorities who are doing large-scale development. So there are many opportunities for you with all of your wealth of construction knowledge to benefit as a rehab consultant. So I think I am, well, I know I started a little bit early, okay? So I'm a little bit early on my, on my closing, but I just want to let you all know that I put into the chat ways that you can reach out to me. I want you to know that this is real for you, and it is amazing, and we are so excited to have all of you here. So, Katina, I'm going to turn it back to you because I'm just as excited as the audience to hear our uh, last and keynote and amazing top-of-the-line speaker that we have. So, Katina, would you like to introduce our uh, last panelist? Before we introduce the last panelist, we want Yasmin to finish up since she has just Yay! been. Yasmin, come on back in. Let her finish up, and then we'll go to our last panelist. Thank you for understanding. Oh, sorry, everyone. I was talking to myself, and I keep hearing Tylene say, oh, she's frozen. So I'm going to uh, turn off my camera in case that's going to help my connectivity. But I think I was with, uh, talking with respect to lean. So make sure you guys lean these residential projects if there is any issue with payment. You can always take the lien off, but the lien is your biggest leverage you have to collect your money. I cannot emphasize that enough. Take it off. Usually what happens when you file a lien is you're going to get a letter. Someone is pissed off. The attorney from the homeowner, the homeowner, but it's that dialogue payment. What are the advantages of a lien is you can foreclose on their house, literally. And that's part of my practice, filing construction liens and in forcing them through breach of contract and foreclosure proceedings, I do that. It, it will get their attention a lot more than um, just filing a lawsuit itself. Oh, thanks, Siley. <laughs> so uh, with that, um, I also created a website, needtolean.com, that is a nationwide platform which allows uh, you guys as contractors to log in and, op- and file your own construction liens, discharge, discharge of liens, notice of furnishing, all of that. And the reason I did that is because the resource was not there. For, from what I found is like you have to call me, call an attorney, pay $250, $300 for a document, which in my opinion can be done through a platform that can file it properly. So the resources are there. I will be happy walk you through it. If to or just like if you have questions i'll help you but just make sure you know your lien rights in michigan today in california it's something else in ohio it's something else and how long you have to uh, enforce them michigan you have 60 days from last day of work to file your lien but you have an entire year to enforce it so you don't have to do anything and the best thing about that is once you have a lien property the property cannot be sold unless you're paid from the, um, from the purchase money, right? I mean, I'm, I'm very passionate about liens because it's the best way for me to help my clients, um, as you guys can tell. But don't forget about your lien rights. Don't forget about sending the preliminary notice or the notice of furnishing, all of it. If, and, and, and most importantly, my last comment, if there are ever a contract that says in the contract you waive your lien rights at the time of si- uh, signing, um, feel free to sign it. Or even you can cross it off because in the majority, you cannot waive your lien right ahead of time. So those type of language, 
especially, for example, in Michigan, you see that in a contract, attorney says, well, your client waived the right. I'd be like, try to enforce it in court because the law itself, the lien law in Michigan says you cannot waive your lien rights ahead of time. Um, so that's, I think, very important for you guys to know. And I think on that note, I'll stop talking so we can finish this program. <laughs> Back to you guys. <laughs> Thank you, Yasmin. Um, next, we have Denise Cleveland Leggett, former Southern Regional Administrator of HUD. Important. She's going to be talking about the importance of public-private collaboration. Denise, are you there? I think you're on mute, Denise. Sorry, can you hear me now? Yes. Yes. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Um, it's such a pleasure to be here, and really, your organizations are amazing. I've learned so much um, just from my short um, interactions, and, um, and I'm looking forward to continuing the relationship. Um, and a little bit about myself. Um, I practiced law for 25 years before the Secretary of HUD asked me to uh, come to um, Region 4 of HUD. Um, ultimately, I was appointed by the president to um, oversee the largest of the 10 HUD regions. Region 4 is the largest, and it's the Southeast plus Puerto Rico and the U.S. Virgin Islands. And it was such an amazing experience there because um, it gave me an opportunity to interact with people, to see with developers, with um, states, with governors, with um, every uh, component of, uh, of housing. Um, after I left HUD, and I'll get back to my HUD experience, um, I uh, joined a company called the Integral Group as a senior vice president in the private sector. And currently, I am president and CEO of Leggett Ventures Consulting. And um, one of the things that I think is so critical is that it is important that you become um, very much spokesperson for yourself. Um, you have to realize how important you are and not be ashamed, not be shy, not be uh, fearful. Uh, you have to be able to collaborate in a number of different ways because public-private partnerships are the only way things are being done now. Um, the government can't uh, do all the um, um, housing, whether it's um, even if it's uh, Section 8 housing. They don't do it all themselves. Uh, the private sector, private developers, um, private banks, they are all involved um, in the private, public-private relationship in terms of what the housing agenda is. And so I'm really saying that each and every one of you out there has to be an advocate for yourselves. Uh, me meeting with developers in your area or in other areas. Set up an appointment with the big developers. Uh, don't be shy, you know, just set up and say, hey, I'd like to meet with you, I'd like to see what you're doing, uh, tell you a little bit about myself, and um, and then you're on the radar because whether you know it or not, all the um, developers have to, at some point, they're required to use either minority or small businesses in the projects that they do. I'm dealing with someone right now who is 
um, in the process of, of trying to fill that, but they all require that. So if nobody knows that you're around, if they don't know that you're on the, um, you know, in the realm, um, then you uh, don't get the call. So it's very important to set up the meetings to go and let people know who you are. Set up the meetings with bankers. Uh, bankers are, are very important in terms of um, funding. You know, there are many banks like Bank of America who set aside a large amount of money for uh, for housing. And so, you know, and I'm sure it's not just Bank of America, but I know for sure it's Bank of America has it um, and others. But go meet with someone. Don't be afraid to go in and say, hey, you know, I have this business. I'm um, I'm looking. Maybe you may not want a loan right at that moment, but go in and introduce yourself to let people know what your plans are. Um, that's important. Uh, one of the things that Catherine said that was so important, the, the CDBG, Community Development Plot Grant Funding, millions of dollars are given out every year by the government um, to um, states through um, cities, um, housing authorities, a number of different organizations. And that money is utilized to help fund housing. I'll never forget when they had the hurricanes in Puerto Rico, I went over there um, with, um, Catherine, you'll know, Brian Montgomery, who was the deputy secretary at the time, he was over um, um, housing. And we took them a check for $6.8 billion. Mm-hmm. They're getting funding. Every state does not get quite that much, but they're getting into the millions. And so you make yourself available to um, that type of funding. And how do you do that? You need to, um, as um, was mentioned earlier, go meet with your mayor, Go meet with your governor. Go meet with your county commissioners. Just making sure that people know who you are and um, that you're around and what you're doing, what you, um, you know, what you are capable of. And so when they start talking about the funding, you you be there um, so that you can possibly get a piece of the pie. Um, and. This comes every year. The funding, the CDBG funding comes absolutely every year. And, again, only if you're um, out there, people know who who you, they are, who you, um, or what you do. You know, the developers, the banks, the cities, the counties, the governor's office. Um, Another thing that the governors um, get they get something that's called um, low-income tax credit funding that's given to them by the IRS. And this is the the funding that helps private developers uh, do low-income housing. Most private developers without the low-income tax credits, they couldn't do it. The numbers wouldn't match and it couldn't pencil out. But they have to apply for it and they apply every year. They become more and more competitive. They used to have 9% and 4% uh, tax credits. The 9% was the most competitive. Now 
4% tax credits are, um, are very competitive because more and more people utilize this and want it in order to help them uh, pencil out the numbers um, uh, for their projects. So uh, low-income uh, tax credits is, is always administered through a state agency. In Georgia, it's the Department of Community, Community Affairs. Um, in Florida, it's, um, you know, a different organization and, and so on and so on. But this is very, very important for, um, for those of you who are in the development realm. Um, another organization that uh, a friend of mine um, has, well, he's running it now, but it's the Black Bank Fund. Um, he's a lawyer, um, and Black Banks for the longest time had been very uh, instrumental in funding, but then there was a period of time when they just dis disappeared. And so what he's been instrumental in doing um, is his name is Ashley Bell and, and pushing forward the, uh, the Black Bank Fund. They have uh, a fund uh, that's $250 million, and they're utilizing that to help fund um, housing initiatives. Um, and, um, you know, it's, like I said, it's, it's um, now regenerated. Um, it's, there's a time when the Black Banks had disappeared, but now they're coming back to try and help the community uh, through this fund. The Black Bank Fund is, um, is now run by um, Ashley Bell, who used to be um, one of my um, colleagues. He was head of the Region 4 SBA, but he's now a lawyer and uh, working with Black Bank um, to create a fund. There's a $250 million fund to try and, you know, help in terms of housing, help uh, small and minority businesses. And, um, uh, you know, this is something that, you know, that's relatively new over the last uh, couple of years. Thank you so much. Thank you, Denise. Uh, that, that was absolutely amazing. Um, I'm, I'm just so honored that you were able to share with us today. Um, that is really wonderful and wonderful information and news that I know that everybody's going to benefit from. We're going to be getting ready for the second half of our roundtable, which is actually going to be a live roundtable. How many of you believe that you have, you have gained at least one, if not two pieces of new information you will be able to apply in your business right away? Type in the chat if you have something right away. Because here's the situation. Knowledge is not power. The application of knowledge is where power comes. You got to be here. You got to see it. You got to be reminded of it because there's so much noise. So I'm challenging every single person on this call to stop right now before we actually start asking questions of all of our panelists to stop right now and write down what one thing you're going to implement from what you learned this night. What is one activity? What is one step? What is one project that you're going to do? Sharon has put down that she's going to get her HUD 203K consultant application completed. Way to go, Sharon. How many of you are going to get involved with your, with um, 
Yasmin or an attorney that Yasmin can introduce to you to make sure your contracts are squeaky clean and on point, okay? Who here thinks that they need to be able to start knocking on some banker doors to be able to get in front of some bankers to be able to let them know that they're there? And who here is going to Google, and please, I want everybody to do this. Who is going to Google CDBG funds? It's how I started my business, and I made my first $100,000 as a home inspector in 2000. Nobody made $100,000 as a home inspector in 2000. I did it all because we got a grant from the city of Philadelphia through CDBG funding. Guess what? CDBG. If you don't know what it is, GTS. Who knows what GTS stands for? All right, Travis is smiling. He knows what that is. It stands for Google that stuff, okay? <laughs> so GTS, get the information that you need. So now what we're going to do, does everybody have one action step that they're going to do? Because otherwise, we have spent a lot of time. I like what you were, Kimley meets my housing commissioner. Excellent job. John's going to meet with the mayor of Seattle. Way to go, John. Excellent. Get himself, get, Charles is going to get in front of some folks. I like that. Okay. Who are the folks and when are you going to do it? Okay. Goals need to be, goals need to be smart. And smart stands for specific, measurable, action-oriented, result-focused, and timely. Make your goals smart. So how many of you are ready to start asking questions of our incredible panel? Ready to start asking questions? So please, raise your hand if you'd like to ask a question, and we will call on you. But 